It's not called a five o'clock shadow. It's called a shave, you loser. Two, the fact that you used to bake bread back in college and now refuse to do so, even when your wife asks sweetly, does not mean you are a post-hippie citizen trying to carve out new paradigms of consumption in a post-9-11 world. It means you're lazy. Your depression has somehow turbocharged your entropy. Congratulations, you are now the exact opposite of a Hadron Super Collider. If you don't act soon and show some initiative in the kitchen, your molecules actually will leach out of your toes and stain your socks. Then you'll have to spend money on socks. Instead, bake a loaf of bread for your wife. In fact, shoot the moon and bake her a goddamn cake. She works much, much harder than you. Three, the fact that you spent approximately 40 hours last year watching, goddamn, can you believe I actually did this, Miami, Inc., does not mean you revel in the 21st century agora as one node of the postmodern multitude. It means you have lost your mind and secretly want to die stupid and alone. Turn off your television, unplug it from the wall, bury it under 50 pounds of sand in another country, and spend your evenings memorizing 17th century love poetry for your wife. Think about it. Which will be more comforting in your twilight years? The collected verse of John Donne, which you have totally memorized, or vague memories of a bunch of tattoo people talking about their feelings on TV? Now that I appreciate the stakes and understand how my shortcomings have flourished in the confines of my most important relationship, I have come to loathe my special statistic. I would happily trade my perfect dating record, that satiny, unblemished, unbedumpled sheet, for a mangy, flea-bitten patchwork quilt of lessons learned, stitched together by women who dumped me. I should have learned not to wear sweatpants from Siobhan, the vapid fashionista I should have met and dated and been dumped by right out of college. Siobhan would have taken one look at my awesome collection of exercise trousers and had them secretly rendered to a base in Uzbekistan where they would have been boiled alive. Then, when I met my wife for an anniversary cocktail, I would have represented in a sleek pair of tailored slacks, not in paint-splattered Russell Athletics with the drawstring hanging out all over my crotch. And Starshine, the free-spirited vegetarian carpenter I should have bumped into and dated in 1999 and been spectacularly dumped by on the eve of the new millennium because of the Zodiac, she should have sat me down and reminded me that baking bread connects me to all humanity— for I am man, provider. Why deny this wretched world my gifts? If Starshine had done her job, my wife would be enjoying fresh-baked focaccia as I write this, not frozen bagels made by robots. Then, of course, there's Kristen with two eyes. Long-lost Kristen, lovely Kristen. Sure, she had the world's worst name, and I sometimes called her Kirsten by mistake. But I still would have wept when she dumped me for watching too much television. I would still be haunted by her final words. You watch too much television. I'm marrying Jason with two Ys, my extreme athlete friend, because you watch too much television. I think that would have registered. Alas, I have learned none of these things because none of these women existed. You know those dummies with the black and yellow pie charts on their foreheads who are always smashing into windshields in slow motion because they forgot to wear their seatbelts? And in the slowed-down instant before impact, you can almost hear them say in their mannequin drones, Oh, I get it. I should have worn my seatbelt. I'm one of them. I'm learning all these important lessons too late. In the melancholy split second before my head smashes through my marriage's windshield and bloodies any hope I had 
of eternal bliss. I blame all the women who never dumped me. This has been a Hachette audio production of Get Dumped Before It Matters, an essay from Things I've Learned from Women Who've Dumped Me, written and read by David Reese, edited by Ben Carlin, produced and directed by Michelle McGonigal. Text copyright 2008 by David Reese. Audio production copyright and published 2008 by Hachette Audio, all rights reserved. Except as permitted under the U.S. Copyright Act of 1976, no part of this production may be reproduced, distributed, or transmitted in any form or by any means, or stored in a database or retrieval system without the prior written permission of the publisher.